This is Bang Your Bookie's Wife. The sports gambling podcast that combines the irrational ego of Coach K with the bladder control of Jim Beheim. Uh, as you might have guessed, it is March, so we are shifting our focus to the hardwood. Uh, we are going to be recapping the general landscape of college basketball, and we're, of course, joined by Rain Man. Uh, Rain Man, as you sort of get get a feel for these teams in March, do you have any uh, one sleeper team, one, th- one team that you think can punch above their weight in March? There's one team that I think can probably win it all, even though they're not in the top four and maybe could separate themselves from the pack. That team is Florida State, and we'll get into that later. That's right. We're talking about Dem Knowles. Dem Knowles. Uh, on the other end, uh, Capper. Uh, also on the podcast, it is March. It is our time. Uh, what is one team that, that you could see big things happening for in March that we maybe aren't outside of the top three right now? Alabama, Crimson Tide. That's it. That's all there is to it. They're going to win football. They're going to win basketball. Is there is there is there a saying associated with that program? The sun, the moon, the earth, the tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Listen, man. This is the real coach JB here. Man, I hear you've been hanging out with the wrong fucking crowd like a slapdick you are, man. Everybody thought you were fucking smart and all that shit because you watch CNN and MSNBC and fucking Fox News and all that. Sounds like you're a fucking dreamer. You're getting dumber. Get your fucking ass figured out. Go watch the real show. Watch. We will ban your bookies, wife. Step your game up. Stop being a slap dick. Make today a great day. This has been your bookie's wife, and it is March, so we have very little time to waste. We have a lot to cover. Uh, if if you haven't necessarily been plugged into college basketball that hard up to this point, then look, you're a bad person, but that's also why you're listening to this podcast, and we're here to catch you up on the latest going on. So what we're going to do is we're going to go conference by conference, sort of uh, discuss the state of play, where teams are sitting, and we figured uh, we would start... Uh, yeah, where it sort of makes sense. Top of the alphabet in the Atlantic Coast Conference, ACC. Rainman uh, is going to preview the ACC for us. What, what are you noticing out there on the East Coast? Well, the first thing you have to say is, oh, my God, is it a down year for the ACC, which makes it even more incredible that no ACC team has really managed to separate itself from the pack. So I think this might be the worst ACC we've seen in the last decade. That being said, as I alluded to up top, I do think that there is one team, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily a contender, but they have an outside shot at contention, and that's Florida State. The Knowles. Yeah. So, I mean, by far the best team in the ACC. Top, they'll probably sneak into a three seed if they do well enough in the ACC tournament. Otherwise, they'll be a four. Uh, They've lost three road conference games, only four losses on the season, so that's fine. They basically handled business. But the reason why I like them is because they have four starting guards that each shoot over 40% from the three-point line. MJ Walker, Anthony Polite, Raekwon Evans, and Sadar Calhoun. If those people get hot, that's a recipe to win in March. If the balls go into the basket, if you can shoot over the defense, you'll win the game. So Florida State has that. They also have some size. Leonard Hamilton, people say his name a lot. They want him to win. People are ready for Leonard Hamilton win. Uh, I, I, I think they might be able to do it. They're ranked five amongst all major programs in three-point field goal percentage. If you want to take a stab at one of the non-favorites here, I think the Knolls are your best bet in college basketball. Um, I mean, I absolutely heard Knolls' very athletic team. But on the other hand, have you considered Tony Bennett? 
Yeah, I have. So I have the next tier outside of the outside shot at contention, <laughs> the irrelevant, but will make the tournament. And that's where we get into Fort Virginia, Clemson, and Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia, they were looking okay, but they've lost three of the last four. They completely suck now, including losses to Duke and NC State, which are both fraudulent programs this year. Virginia defense have been stellar, but they also rank 280th in points. Even though they have slow pace of play, that's still not going to get it done. You can write off Virginia. Uh, for Clemson, I, I mean – you can probably write them off there for the same reason. 339th in points per game. They might have a decent record, but this just goes to say how bad the ACC is. And Virginia Tech, they've shown flashes. They just don't quite have it this year. They're playing slower possessions than they typically do. I think you can ignore them. And, well, uh, you know, Clemson did just lose to Syracuse tonight. So you uh, anyone, off. Anyone, and I hope everyone listening here is, a, is very familiar with our Instagram presence, uh, the Duke basketball program is one of our favorite meme targets. So I, do I was think gonna it get is, to that. It is it is worth mentioning. Uh, I want to see if really y'all say... have any other thoughts on the contenders before we we go for the teams that are scrapping for a tournament bid. But they let's don't be honest, the it. ACC is dog shit. We don't need to talk <sighs> about their contenders. But I would love to talk about Coach K not being able to compete in the weakest ACC. Well, in are, are we going to be honest with ourselves on this podcast? Or are we going to lie? No, I'd love to lie if to you. Want some I'd honesty, love to I'll, lie I'll to give you all some truth bombs. Please lie to me. That's a truth bomb exploding in my hand right now. Uh, it's a hot mic because that bomb just exploded. So it, it, it's time to be honest with ourselves, right? All-American hero, Coach K, he's lost it. He was great. I think we all can admit that. He had a three-decade run. First ballot Hall of Famer. No objections for me. He just cannot or simply refuses to coach. There's no set pieces or plays when you watch the game. Uh, basically, the best Duke play on offense is just toss the ball lazily around the three-point line until Joey Baker jacks up a contested three. Guess what? More often than not, it does not go in. Or having Jordan Goldweiler just call ISO and just drive the ball by himself to the basket. Uh, K relies, and this is a direct quote when he talks about how he makes his play calls on, I wanted my player to, quote, go out and make a play, or, quote, we ran the, quote, motion offense. These aren't real coaching moves. There's no pick and rolls. There's no, there's no play design. It's just he just gives the balls to his five-star players and hope it works. This year it's not working because the team needed a little bit of coach. But that's not an excuse because if you went on 247 Sports at the beginning of the season, Duke was ranked as the number one most talented program in the entire country with five five stars. And I hear so many excuses from Duke fans and old-school college basketball Twitter saying pandemic year, saying coach hasn't had, been able to coach up the boys. Get him. They had so much talent, and they can't even make the turn. I'm not asking for a Final Four bid. They just can't even make the tournament. Kay's a crotchety, senile grandpa, and it's time for him to transition this program. Hell of a career for Kay. Hat tip, you're done. But if you don't leave soon, you're going to be the next Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno, and you'll have a completely tarnished legacy. And to Jordan Goldwire, to the senior, have fun in the 3 by 3 u because Duke's not making the tournament. Take a breath. Put him in a body bag. Take a breath. Wow, you okay, buddy? Did you get a hemorrhoid doing that? My God. Yeah, you, you can probably cross, cross apply a lot of that to UNC and Louisville Holy and Georgia Tech. Mackerel. And the other fraudulent programs they used to see. I, that was maybe more exhausting to listen to than it was to say. That was an incredible rant. Thank you for that. We asked for we asked for that, and boy, did you give it you, to you us. Guys, you asked. You asked for it. So there uh, it is. Served on a platter. So that's uh, that's a general layout of uh, the ACC. Uh, Capper, do you have any sort any sort of comments on on the conference? It feels like we covered it pretty well. Uh, what else is there to say? I'm I'm a little bit flabbergasted and a lot of it drunk, so I'm not gonna be able to comment any further on the <laughs> ACC. Perfect. So you're um, podcast ready. Uh, um, I know this is a different type of year, obviously with COVID and everything else that goes into it. 
Um, but Georgia Tech has a lot of quality wins on their resume, and they're going to go into March with a little bit of confidence, I think. That, that could be the sleeper team here. I think the story with Georgia Tech isn't this year. It's about the years in the future. You have a good coach. You're in Atlanta. If you can ease some of the recruiting restrictions at Georgia Tech, then you might actually be able to make a move for some dominance. You, in the you are building something down there. That, that is nice to see. Just like um, Tennessee football. Not a lot of success in some time. Rocky Top. But I, I do got to say, I do I do love Passner as the head coach there because he also appears to be incredibly dweeby, making him also a suitable mascot for Georgia Tech. Uh, <laughs> well said. Yeah. I think uh, let's we can move on. Capper had mentioned how uh, it's difficult. A lot of these teams seem down. I don't necessarily know if the teams are down. I think it's maybe more a reflection of this conference, which is the Big 12, where I feel like a lot of the teams are just similar. They're sort of very, very close together. You have um, at the top of the conference, you have Baylor, and they're still at the top of the conference. Um, they looked... They look pretty shaky coming off a three-week COVID hiatus. Uh, they yeah. lost uh, against rest. Kansas 71-58. But I feel like that's a forgivable clunker given the layoff, but also the stakes of the game for Kansas. Um, they won a tough one on the road in Morgantown. Uh, that's a game that a lot of teams would lose. I honestly feel like that was a big win for them. At Morgantown is a tough place to play. Huggy Bear has coached that team up really well. I think they're, of course, no surprise, top-tier team. Jared Butler, Conference Player of the Year. They're deep, they're athletic, and they're coached by a real prick in Scott Drew, so they have everything they need to go pretty far in March. Um, yep. Similarly, I say uh, West Virginia. Uh, they're Technically, they were listed as a top-10 team in the country, but they're 19 in Kempom, and I think that's a more reflection. Uh, that's a better reflection of where they actually are talent-wise. Um, they lost their I think I off- disagree. Really? I like West Virginia a lot. I think the the way they play with a lot yeah. of a lot of hustle and some interesting schemes, I think that's the kind of team that could trap you in March. They don't have the the true raw recruiting talent that you see at a Duke, uh, but they're they look dangerous, and I I would not want to play them. And and you fall back on coaching there. I, I have them above Kansas. I think I, I think I would go Baylor, or West Virginia. Coach Huggins has been there before. You fall back on coaching. I like they did. So they they lost uh, Ford Oscar Tshibwe. Uh, he. Average close to a double-double for them, and that was a big that was a gloss overcome, but they played better since then. I'm just curious they whether well. their ceiling – I don't know if they're an Elite Eight team, but I see them maybe as a much very plausible, like, Sweet 16 team as sort of their ceiling. Uh, you can disagree. Uh, so you got Kansas, and this is the worst Kansas team we've had in a long time, but they're still top 20. They're still Kansas. Tim Pomeroy. Uh, so it's, it is possible, Duke. And so, Dave, and I will say one thing I'll say about Kansas is uh, their forward, Dave McCormack, is shaping up to be the next excellent Kansas forward that will not do shit in the NBA. So good on him <laughs> for that. Um, we got Oklahoma, a uh, long Kruger coach team, and that's what I like the most about them. They made a little mini run in the middle of the season to make it into the top 10, but since then they lost to Kansas State and then back to back games against Oklahoma State. I think they're losing a little juice, although they can get some back. They have a game against the Longhorns coming up. Uh, who is the official bounce back team of the NCAA for other teams this year. Uh, Then we got my favorite team in the conference to do well. If you had asked me my sleeper team, um, it is Oklahoma state. I think that this is a team to watch in March. Are they going to be allowed to play in the tournament? I believe so. Actually, everything I've seen is that they are. 
Um, uh, the NCAA probably wants the money, so the answer <laughs> is probably yes. But I, 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 mean, I don't know if that's definitive yet. I, but I, uh, they're, they're just good. a team that seems to be peaking at the right time. But here's the thing I really like about them heading into March: they're four and zero in overtime games, and I think that type, I think that bodes Stop. really well. Having a lot of confidence. I don't know. That means they're they also lucky. Got a small sample size. What? No, they play yeah, well. You, 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 you have can to turn win that argument games. the other way, dude. Though. And I'll say the flip side of that. You know who's not four and zero in overtime games? The fucking Texas Longhorns. <laughs> they're yeah. like there. There is a difference between playing well in late game situations. They got Caleb Boone and Keelan Boone in addition to uh, Cunningham, the top presumptive yeah, top number one game. NBA draft um, pick. So I really like Oklahoma State. Uh, next, the other contender, I Texas Tech. Oklahoma State uh, is Mac pretty Ma- sick this year. Mac McClung is the college basketball player that makes me feel the most emotion of any player this year. He just has that one of those like baby faces that you either are going to love this player or just hate this player. Um, but you can't deny that he has a little like sizzle to him. Chris Beard is a good coach, but more remarkably, he's great. turned the last tier town of Lubbock into a top tier destination for NBA talent. Uh, Terrence Shannon is supposed the to be bags a lottery are being pick dropped there. in Texas, Tech, um, which is fine. Report that without facts report. Totally dude, drop you, the bags, but win games. And dude, he's doing that. It's Everyone yeah, wins. like what they're those kids living out there in Lubbock, they deserve fucking the yeah. world given to them. Are you kidding me? I feel so <laughs> bad. That place that that place is somehow smells worse than it looks. But it, it is unreal but, how terrible. But let me stop uh, you. Have you considered the weekend trips to Amarillo? <laughs> <laughs> uh the last You're only team in the like five hours away from Midland. <laughs> last team in the Big Twelve <laughs> yeah. that uh, is uh, that is going to make the tournament. I touched on them before. It is uh, Texas Longhorns. They're great talent. I, if you actually look on paper, theoretically a Final Four top team. Everyone in their rotation is at least a four-star player. Several upperclassmen, but they just have no composure. That's a team that's. How lost. long have we been waiting for the shock of UCU Magic to return? Man, Maybe. they looked Texas early on. Talent. They looked really spicy. Yeah. This is, but I guess Texas is a team that, on an individual matchup, you can theoretically picture them playing close game against anyone. But they could, they also have so the makeup of a first round upset team, in my opinion. They've just uh, lost so many close games and have no confidence with not that much time left on the clock. So I, uh, I'm interested to see how they do in the conference tournament. It'll be telling. That's the overall recap of the big 12, a conference that I think will have a lot to say in March. There's a lot of pretty damn good teams. Yeah. I'd probably say the second, second, uh, best conference after the big 10. I don't know that like we've all, we've, we've been through what? 30 plus years of March. Big 12 always yeah. underperforms. Mm. Always. Yeah. You look back, there's one team at the top of the conference that always does well. It's Kansas. And when they don't do well, nobody else does well. There's nobody making runs in this conference. Like Oklahoma State is not making a run in this conference ever. Texas is not making a run in this conference. One Final Four for Texas in the last 20-plus years. We need some more some more bags dropped. It's um, uh, it's like, it's always a to me it's always a conference that looks really good in January and February and then underperforms in March. Is that scientific? I don't think that I don't know. It might be scientific. It might basically be fucking physics. What you just said. I don't know, man. Uh, I ain't no physicist. Ca- Capper, Capper, I'm certainly you, not. You want to give us? 
do you want to give us the other i think they're sort of considered the cream of the crop in college basketball this year the the big 10 well yeah it is certainly the best conference in the country that is the big 10 they have michigan wolverines they have the fighting illini you have the iowa hawkeyes as your you know three definitely mainstay top 10 teams in the country you've got top players on each team um, you've got probably the Nays. You just left player. off Ohio State, which is having a pretty good, pretty good year too. I'm not done. I'm Big not done. Big four there. You're not done. All right, I'm fair enough. I'm not done. Ohio State has obviously been very good this year. Um, they've held their own. You've got Luca Garza at Iowa, who's probably going to win the Player of the Year. Yeah, I, I think, think it's that's done at this. That's point. probably been done since uh, mid December. You know, when people yeah. figured out that <laughs> that's dusted. That a guy named Garza played basketball in Iowa. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's all great, but the conference top to bottom is so competitive week in and week out. Like you're seeing these teams just go to battle every single, and I, I think that's going to carry over into March. Like, I, I think that it's very tough to ramp up leading into March. Like, I, I think that's why we see some of these mid-major teams that have been so good year in and year out struggle over and over again, and I'm not talking about you, Gonzaga, but I'm definitely talking about you, Gonzaga. Um, they don't face the competition every single game that some of these teams in the in the Power Five conferences face. And when you're looking at the Big Ten, you're looking at a, t- a conference that faces the best of the best every single game. And like even uh, it's not that deep, Capper. Like I, you still got Penn State. I don't you know. Still got a bad Indiana You've team. Got, You've got Michigan State. You got Rutgers. You've got Michigan you got State, Maryland. who's sitting in tenth place this season in the Big Ten. Northwestern. Like Rutgers is very good at home. Maryland has oh, been. Stop. Maryland has has shown some flashes this year. Um, Wisconsin is very good at home. Obviously, um, I think I think it's the deepest. It's overall the deepest conference in the country. Um, but I think you look past the cream of the crop. You find your Ohio State here. Um, you've got two guys averaging over 15 points a game, EJ Liddell, Dwayne Washington. Um, you've got multiple guys in the post that can, that can exert their will in a March setting, win games for you. You've got a coach that's seasoned, has been in March, has won games. I think this to me is, is one of the sleeper teams in this, in this category, because I think, Iowa's going to put up points against anyone in March, but they also can't stop anybody. Michigan, they're very inexperienced. You've got a freshman rookie coach, Juwan Howard, who hasn't been in this situation before. Um, And, you know, Illinois, same thing. And they battled injuries. They've looked really strong at points, but they've also looked really terrible at points. Um, they have a ton of upside on that team. If you want a flyer, that's, that's not Gonzaga to win it all or Baylor. I would say the same thing. I, I think that they, at their peak, they're as good as anybody in the country. But at their middle, they're, you know, 10 to 20. And, you know, that those teams, they have their moments in March where they just fall by the wayside and they just, they're gone. And then nobody ever hears from them again. Hey, drop a game. And that's it. That's all there is to it sometimes. So um, you look for a little experience. You look for teams that have you know have guys who can do all the things well shoot from the outside bang bodies in the post you just i don't know there there's a lot of good teams that can come out of the big 10 in in march and i think ohio state has a good chance to do that uh do you think 
Do you think that the Izzo's uh, Michigan State, do you think they're going to get a shot at March Madness, or is it too late for them? No, they're definitely going to make it. Um, I Yeah? Um, I don't know. It's tough because we're looking at two games left against Michigan. They play them on the road and in, in, in East Lansing. I think if you win one of those games, no matter what you do in the tournament. You got to win one or it's not a given. No matter what you do in the tournament, you're in. And I I think that you know, playing one of those rivalry games going into the last week of the season, you know what's on the line. They will show up enough for one of those games to to just eke out a win. You know, it's not the most talented roster that Izzo's had, but it's, I don't know. It, there's something about those teams that they don't, you never, you're never super impressed with them in December. You're never super impressed with them in January. And then all of a sudden you look up and they're in the Elite Eight. They're in the Sweet 16. You're like, Where'd this team come from? Holy shit, like, how did they do this? I don't know. There's something about that. Also, conference, uh, they're playing in the whole tournament in Indianapolis this year, which is in the Big Ten Championships backyard. So maybe a little experience base for the Big Ten going into March. They're they're 8-10 overall in the conference. They're 4-1 in their last five. How do you explain it? I don't know. They're bad. March, uh, Mr. March. They're mad. They're bad, but they get better when the season needs to get, you know, when they need to get better. Uh, speaking of their bad, let's transition over to, uh, the next major conference to preview. And that is the PAC 12, uh, Raymond, you wanted to, you wanted to recap. <laughs> yeah, the we Pac-12 can do this quick. Yeah. So I'll, Please I'll start quick. off with the main storyline of, of the PAC 12, which is, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're not a power five conference. <laughs> you could argue they're not a power five conference in football. Like make the joke about the AAC being better. Not sure it's a joke in basketball. The big East is certainly better than PAC. But because our first love is college football, we'll include PAC in the Power Five for this discussion. Uh, I do like the fact that Bill Walton gets extremely high on Pac-12 broadcast games. So that that, that's great. the one thing the Pac has going for it. You Other than that, there are no contenders in the Pac. No one from the Pac can win the tournament. Not a, not a single person team's good enough to get hot and win it. Uh, the teams that are irrelevant but will make the tournament are USD, Colorado, Oregon, and UCLA. Uh, Colorado is probably the best of that bunch, which is kind of cool because Colorado's not a basketball school. They're not really in any school. They rank Ken Palm 17. Pretty good story. If they could string together one or two wins in March, that which is their ceiling, would be Sweet 16. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, USD had a ton of momentum, but then lost three of their last four, so they're out. Evan Mobley, true talent. Maybe he gets hot. Maybe they win a game because Evan Mobley carries them. He's only been playing, like, what, five or six games? Uh, UCLA, will they ever be Westwood again? Probably not. And I just don't think Oregon's very good, even though they're 17-5. and five. Stanford's still scrapping to try to get a tournament bid, but they've also lost three straight. They play USC tonight. If they lose that one, they're out. Doesn't matter. The Cardinal? I, I, ta- I think you're being a tad too flippant on uh, Jordan Duarte and Eugene Omori at uh, Oregon. Uh, Pride <laughs> no. of Rexdale, Ontario. He's not being tough. They're, no. Oregon, Oregon, I think uh, they're a team that I think could actually – if there was a team in the pack that I, I would like to put a flyer on to make it a few rounds in March, it would be the Ducks. It's always Oregon, right? Yeah, but well, this is like one of their worst teams in ages. They're Ken Palm yeah, 38. That's what I'm saying. Like they're, they're 17 they're and 5. Good. is so weak. They're Nobody's just good. like really bad. <laughs> I think they are the second best team guess. probably in the Pac-12 behind Colorado. Because I think they probably hopped USC yeah. at this point. It's just like the it's like the quietest conference. Maybe not. Like, obviously, they play their games late at night, but like, who the hell? <laughs> like, 
who do you know from that conference? Who do you how, like? Who are you excited you? about? Who are you? Who are Bill you trying Walton's to impress? How? Who are you? They only play Pac-12. basketball in the southeast. We all know this. All right, so what, I know you're begging for the segue, Capper. So we that is our Pac-12 recap, Capper. You're giving us the SEC. What is your What is your SEC preview for us? Tell us what's been going on over there. The SEC. I know you like Bama. Uh, the SEC is down, but. Is it down that much? Yes, it is, because we're looking at an LSU team that <laughs> can't make the postseason because of transgressions against the association. Um, Kentucky, horrific. Finished under 500 for the first time in 69 years. Um, who else is on a Still postseason Still hold on to that 50-1 to one slip to win the SEC tournament, though, and don't yeah. hate it because the SEC is so bad. Who else is on a postseason ban in the SEC? There's somebody else. Uh, oh Auburn, Let's just yeah, say Bruce Auburn. Pearl. Thank, thank God. Yeah, there we go. um, but he's six and eleven. He didn't even give a shit this year, so he's just collecting a paycheck. Um, I still distinctly, this was from many, uh, like as a segue. I remember many years ago, I was driving, and there it was a drive time radio pre March Madness. Bruce Pearl was still at Tennessee, and he called in. They had a first round game against Long Beach State, and I still distinctly remember him telling the host, "Take the over in this one, buddy." Uh, <laughs> he said. <laughs> Which I just don't think would fly today, but this is Bruce Pearl. Say what you will, he's funny as fuck. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, and he's gonna sound. He doesn't. He doesn't have a voice. He just like wisps. He's, he's just like he a gigantic amorphous puddle of sweat. It's incredible. <laughs> and he has an incredible. Uh, sorry, bag. continue with your SEC. Well, he has yeah. an incredible bag man. Obviously, that's why he's on a postseason ban. Um, uh, I he think a better one clearly. You know, I I will not go on a, out on a limb too much here, and I will say that Alabama is clearly the best team coming out of the SEC this season. Um, they're the number one overall seed. They're fifteen and two in the conference. Um, they've got veteran leadership. They've got young, really talented players on their team. They have been consistent throughout the entire year. Um, I I really like Herb Jones. Um, he's a senior forward for the for the Crimson Tide. Um, he's just, he's just the model of consistency, but he's improved a little bit throughout his, his career. Um, that's the type of guy that like a team like Alabama really needs in March, a guy who's been experienced, who's played in, um, he's, he's played in 122 games in his career. Um, he's been around the block and then some, um, they've got younger talent. They've got a great coach in Nato who's won the you know he's from buffalo he won the mac coach of the year twice um i i think if you're looking for a team to come out of the sec it's the crimson tide and i think it's crazy because like obviously they're a football school but they might be a semi-basketball school too in the future because of what they've you know what their foundation is has been built and and what they're looking to build towards in the future i, I just like am not super impressed with any of these teams um past arkansas Mm. in the conference florida has had their ups and downs they've they've been very inconsistent they lost their best player obviously or very early in the year tennessee it's a ricks barnes coach team in march they're gonna be full of shit like they they were really good two years ago when they had just a ton of seniors on the squad um all those guys are in the nba or not playing basketball anymore um, they're nine and seven. They yeah. go toe to toe with every single team in the conference, every single game. 
they're not impressive. Capper, one thing I'd love to, that I think is just worth touching on is we mentioned, of course, that like March is all about the coaches, but then you look at SEC look has at great coaches and they have some great they coaches great that coaches. aren't showing out. You have Tom Crean at Georgia bad. and they haven't been that impressive. Been bad. And the question, the most surprising one to me, Frank Martin at South Carolina, they made it to a final four. It really seemed like he is a great coach. It's been really interesting to see how they've just had no juice whatsoever in that program. You know, um, this is an interesting stat, but Frank Martin is one of 65 people in the entire world that's caught COVID twice. So um, <laughs> you can run the numbers. There might be like 66 That's the most people. That's impressive thing to happen to Tennessee basketball just like, I, in South Carolina basketball and sometimes. So I'll tell you that. What a stat. If your luck is that bad that you are getting COVID twice, you are not in a good spot to win in March. That's like for sure. But obviously, like, this team is just not where it needs to be because of, like, they, they've had these gaps all year. And I think that's something we see, like, all around the country. These teams are just, like, they can't get in a good rhythm. You know, Like, you see teams play well for, like, two or three games, and then they just shit the bed for, like, one, two games. Other than Alabama, like, there's just nobody there to me that, like, tells you, like, they're going to win multiple games in March. They're going to make it to the second weekend in March. Like, they're going to make a deep run. To me, like... The SEC is just kind of like the Big 12. Like, they're just a bunch of guys that, a bunch of teams that are good on paper, good against the other teams that they play, but they're probably going to get mollywopped. I don't know. Like, they just. Did you say mollywopped? We're just going to do it. Just, ah. And uh, I know we're, I'm, I'll allow it. Uh, we're going to, I think we, we can go to. Uh, in a year where you have some of the major conferences that are down, it's worth looking to what's going on in the mid-major conferences, the smaller conferences. I uh, semi, I semi exclude the Big East from this. That they are not a smaller conference. Uh, Nova's a talented team. They're, they're. I think they have some talent there. But in terms of mid-majors that are catching my eye, uh, one thing I think you got to look out for in March are that Colt schools are still hot. Uh, Liberty is 20 and five leading their conference and third in the nation in points allowed, allowing just 58.9 points per game. And then you got BYU. They have a 19 and five record uh, second to the Zags and they're 29 in the BPI. So this just, you also look of course at Baylor, the branch Davidians, they're doing so well. Uh, even, so it just goes to show you that even post insurrection, if CPAC and, and these teams have proven anything, it's that it's still a great time to be in a cult. Does Loyola Chicago count as a cult school because it's Sister Jean? They're, they're pretty no. electric this year, though. Like I, that yeah, might be. I, so I'm not. I'm not counting Loyola as a cult, cult school, school, but I. W- but I was about to touch on them. Catholicism. Uh, the two I other mid majors, I think you got Sister Jean could be a cult in, figure in terms of the the two other mid majors you have to look at. I think that with it. potential Elite Eight, Final Four <laughs> potential, it's uh, Loyola best in the country defense, allowing fifty five point seven points per game, and then you got San Diego State out west, which is another fourth in the country, allowing Man. sixty points per game. They were so I just good think last year. Yeah, they really were. What a missed opportunity. If, you, if you're a smaller school and you manage to muck up the game enough, you have a decent chance in March, and that's why I really like these two schools. I call it the Badger strategy. Um, <laughs> and then one other one – other Trademark? Cult, one, uh, this isn't a cult school, but uh, a mid-major team that I really uh, l- like this year, and I think I like what they're doing, is uh, Joe Pasternak 
is quietly built the UC Santa Barbara Gauchos into an interesting semi-saucy mid-major team. He, he's His first three years, he was 66-29 and 29 there, so 695 winning percentage, the best in school history. He's followed up this year, they're 17-4, and four, and what he's done that's pretty brilliant is that Santa Barbara is the fucking most beautiful place on earth, so what he's doing is he's getting these high-star disgruntled transfers from other schools to come to play for the gauchos and as a result uh yeah like i said 17-4 on the season and they have three players in their rotation that shoot plus 40 percent from three something rain man pointed out earlier for florida state Damn um, hot. they're the type of team i really really like to make you know one or two rounds as a 12 or 13 seed in march are there any sort of mid-major teams that i didn't touch on that you guys like no no oh, i got the, one no love for the bonnies Bonnies are good. Oh, Bonnies, Bonnies are, are good. You can also say Creighton's good, but that's kind of boring because they're always decent. I got one. They're here. big East. Colgate. I don't count that as mid-majors. Colgate. <laughs> yeah, tell me Colgate. You want to talk? You want to talk about a beautiful Please. university? Santa Barbara's got it going. But put up Colgate University on Google Images uh, no. out of Hamilton, New Not York. Not gonna do it. Uh, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous school with a great golf course. I think it's one of the top five college golf courses in the country for the golf guys out there. Uh, Colgate. They're eleven and one. Uh, how the Patriot League is doing their scheduling this year, it's, it's one and one. They're, they're playing each opponent twice in a row to keep COVID precautions down. So they've dropped one game to Army. Uh, it was the second game. The first game, they beat Army like 101 to 57 or something and made a lot of noise because of that box score. They're, they're good. They're going to make the tournament, and they're the kind of exact kind of team that, that might, be able to, might be able to surprise someone in, in game one. So I'm Dude, excited. I can't, I can't wait till like they actually – you get. Get those get those fucking fucks out there on the floor against a real college basketball team. We'll see how great Colgate is. No. I can't wait. Can, can anyone guess the Colgate mascot? Yeah, it's a it's a um the it's white like guy. A, no, it's like a colonial. The Caucasian. Yeah, it's a Raider. Yeah. I was hoping I was hoping Capper's dumbass would say a toothbrush. <laughs> no, I'm better. I'm better than that slightly. Um, a no, we, we, I will somehow we somehow. Who would have guessed Colgate with an Anglo-Saxon uh, mascot? Couldn't have, <laughs> shocker. couldn't have pinned that. That's a shocker. I will I will ask you no love for the Drake Bulldogs who started out the season. No love. They're an old story. They went. They lost, they lost their undefeated record. They started out the season 13-0, but 13-0 against the spread as well. They've made the NCAA. I will tell you, they've made they the NCAA tournament Catholic. four times. They have one Final Four in those four times making the tournament capper i assure you i i feel no ways about drake <laughs> see what i see what no, i, I, hate I see what you did there I despise you so fun fact you can still look up the ivy league on ken palm does anyone have a the number one ivy ivy team is yale at 114 which means by playing basketball over 200 <laughs> schools i played worse than yale <laughs> <laughs>